Hello, hello, and welcome to another Hometown Daily News Show, Season 2, Episode 136, for May 16th, 2023. Soda, Steam Sports, Saturn, Sick Leave, Metaverse, Menus, and more news. Next, on the Hometown Daily News Show. Let's do a quick rundown of today's articles. The very first one is a healthy soda. Then we talk about Colorado Man trades places with Florida Dog. Steam sports fast, but no race cars. Chad GPT investigated itself and found no wrongdoing. Taco Bell petitions to jailbreak Taco Tuesday. Apple in the metaverse. Recall for Gerber baby formula continues. Saturn is full of moons. 15 years of sick leave. Menus are getting spicy. Russian airline asked employees not to see malfunctions or report them. And a Kindergartner, lawyers up. Let's get going. Hello, hello. I am Erwat. That is hometown.com. And up there is the AI that's by the end of the show is probably going to be going. Ay, ay, ay. Good evening, hometown citizens. Hey. Good to hear your voice and see that you've gone pink and blue, purplish blue. Yeah, you're picking your own colors now. Well, I matched the articles and then you refresh them. So now we're at a mismatch. Yeah, yeah. oh, there they are. There, we go. there <laughs> we go. Yeah, the continuity report has this kind of purplish label. I can change that. I might have to change that just so that I can manipulate whatever colors you're going to be choosing for the visualizer. Uh -huh, I see. That's what it's based on. <laughs> Is this kind of an experiment or something? That's right. Let's see if I can mold the AI a little bit more. I know there's a lot of open AI stuff, a lot of AI stuff going on. It's, it's getting really kind of messy out there. Closer and closer to the, you won't know who to trust. You won't know what to believe. Reality hacker, indeed. You want to get into today's articles? We have 12 of them. Oh, no, we better get going. <laughs> yeah, I'll try to hustle. The very first article is over in the Marvel channel. This healthy soda is so dank, we order it by the case. This That's the author of this, not, not me. It's over at Vice. And... Um, it says rec room shopping by, by vice. I'm not sure uh, they have these little niche areas, which is kind of like what hometown does, but it's like something by vice, this by vice, that by vice. I don't know. All I know is that we aggregate these little snippets and then draw some attention to them and, and talk about it. Um, so this here, the, the deck says, Trade in all your weekday vices for a healthier addiction. Olipop's prebiotic sodas, which are now available in mix and match cases. This is an article over at vice.com by Becca Blasdell. And um, the, the, this article says classic root beer on the little picture. And uh, this is kind of old timey artwork, it seems like it's not. It's really, to me, it's kind of um, like busy, not iconic. 
So I, I don't know what I'm getting at with this picture other than when I see this, it doesn't suck me into it. Like when you see um, like a Coke can or something like that, it makes you really thirsty and want it. But this doesn't really do that to me. <laughs> I don't know what it is about it, um, but I'm willing to give it a try. See, I think it does. And it's because it says classic root beer on the front. <laughs> What's funny about this is it's prebiotic. So you want to take a stab at what prebiotic is? I've guess it's I thought make... I knew what probiotic is, but prebiotic, I'm not yeah. really sure. I don't know. We'll have to, you have to look it up. Um, so it says our ceaseless pursuit of tasty drinks is how we become become card-carrying members of the Olipop fan club. After sampling very exotic beverage, the Bodega by Vice Offices has on offer. Um, I'm not sure why that's in quotes. I also didn't think it was spelled that way, but maybe that's actually the correct well, way. I don't know if that's Bodega. Okay, anyway, I'm going to have to keep <laughs> I'm just going to get tied up in this one article. Um, we kept coming back to this glorious, quote unquote, healthy, low calorie prebiotic soda. Or if we're using Olipop's own definition, a sparkling tonic. We're not the only ones who stand the brand either. Um, not only is Olipop's take on root beer the most popular root beer in America, but the brand's also built up a cult following around its wacky flavors like Tropical Punch, a Hawaiian punch dupe, and uh, Banana Cream, which if you're up to date on Olipop's lore, started out as an homage to the Minions. Um, but it was so good that it became a permanent flavor. So, I haven't heard of Olipop. If I've had it, it's fallen out of my memory. But based on the way that they're hyping this, I want it. Yeah, it sounds like it's pretty well known. I don't think I know about it. So apparently you can get Olipop from Olipop. I don't know if I've ever seen it in a store. Olipop's commitment to changing how society engages with soda isn't just empty talk. For every 12-pack sold... Between May 2nd and July 31st, Olipop will make a $2 donation up to $50,000 to partnership for a healthier America or the PHA. Fah. So I think I know a place near hometown that if anywhere carries it, it it's that place. Right. Yeah. I think I'll, uh, maybe I can go and hunt it out, hunt it down. Inspired. Uh, to share its unique take on traditional sodas, the new campaign introduces Olipop's Pair and Share 12 packs, giving shoppers the chance to mix and match their favorite Olipop flavors into personalized and highly shareable packs. Sounds like fun. Um, I don't know. I'll have to give it a, a, a sample. Strawberry Which vanilla. Which flavor are you going to try? Well, they said they have, this is interesting, right? Nostalgic soda pop flavors. Think strawberry, vanilla, grape, orange, squeeze. Strawberry, vanilla sounds like, like it might be good, but grape sounds like it might be grape. But I want them all. I, I, I honestly want to try them all. 
But what is this prebiotic element of this? So I'm going to do this live. Okay. So prebiotics are compounds in food that foster growth or activity of beneficial microorganisms um, such as bacteria and fungi. The most common examples is in the gastrointestinal tract where prebiotics can alter the composition of organisms in the gut microbiome. So I'm not sure. So the difference between prebiotics and probiotics is they're helpful to the ones that are already there and prebiotics change the microbiome. Is that it? I suppose so, but that sounds like a whole nother version of the bad bat. Yeah, prebiotics are used with the intention of improving the balance of these microorganisms already in human microflora. All right. And I just found something called Zupu, Z-U-P-O-O. It's a cleanser. Anyway, I've already said too much. We're going to have to move on to the next article. We can only go up from there. <laughs> so true. I don't know how loud that was. Let me try that again, if you don't mind. That seems really quiet, doesn't it? Huh. Oh, yes. Well. Well, let's keep chatting about this stuff. Uh, this next article is in the Daily News show. Colorado man tries to trade places with dog to avoid DUI arrest. That's why I referred to this as Florida dog, because Colorado man was the driver. A driver was pulled over for speeding, tried to switch places with his dog. So really probably should be Florida man meets Colorado dog. This is... It's all kinds of weird. So an officer watched him maneuvering inside his car before he got out on the passenger side on Saturday night in Springfield, a town of about 1,300 people on the state's eastern plains, a police said in a Facebook post Sunday. It's funny that it's on Facebook. Um, let's see. Okay, so everybody in this town probably knows who this was because this is a small town. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. This is pretty amazing. <laughs> like, what um, was the what was the scheme that the dog was driving? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Does that not make sense to you? <laughs> oh, well, it actually does make sense in light of the other information in the story. <laughs> I the DUI type stuff. Yeah, exactly. This is hilarious. Sorry, I'm trying to check something out. This is just weird. Anyway, um, so the man said he was not behind the wheel and clearly showed signs of being drunk, police said. He ran from the officer when asked about how much he had to drink and was caught within 20 yards. <laughs> he barely... <laughs> so, oh, that's interesting. So within 20 yards or 18 meters... Well, thank you, Article, for putting it into metric. It's kind of funny. They they couldn't, but they they didn't actually put it in feet. They put it in yards and then converted it to meters, <laughs> which is all right. Whatever. If you're going to do it, never mind. I, I, 
I'm not going to go on. They, they're the same unit, basically. I mean, they're not and they are, right? Like you say 60 feet and then you say 18 meters. <laughs> Sorry, I think it's hilarious. I guess I'm the only one. Okay, well, anyway. I don't know why they converted it. Like, did this make international news, for example? <laughs> it's an AP. It's an AP article, so probably oh, came, maybe. From, <laughs> came from that source. Right. Anyway, I should say where it's from. I didn't say where it's from, and I didn't put the first article into the chat, so I am just falling on my face. Um, so this is an AP uh, article, and it's from abcnews.go.com. And before I get too far into this, I'm going to throw these into the chat. There's one. There's two. Ten more, folks. Ten more. Let's go on to the next article. This one is... So this next article is over on the Warcrafter channel, Steam Sports Fest. Uh, sale features birds, raccoons, pro wrestlers, and the lowest price ever on FIFA 23 on PC, but sorry, no race cars. And I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna make a whole bunch of people um, get bent out of shape and say because racing is driving and driving isn't a sport. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't actually. I don't really buy into that. I mean, racing. You, you know, if you're just driving around in a race car, they have to wear a fire suit. Because if they get in a car accident and the fuel cell erupts, then basically they, they can get engulfed in flame. That's not the point. The point is that it's basically a dry suit like a diver would wear right but thicker heavier in, more insulative so you have to keep on drinking to stay hydrated because it isn't like a still suit from dune you're basically just packed in there and you can't really move around you have to climb your butt out of the car through a window you're strapped in with a five seat harness or a five uh, belt harness and you have a helmet on you just wither away in this car while you're driving, you know, to the left, to the left, to the left, or wherever, you know. Sounds a bit it's, claustrophobic to me. But it's an endurance race, even if you're not running. That's my point. So it really should be in here. I think that it is a sport. Um, so Valve kicked off the Steam Sports Fest, an all-new Steam sale dedicated to sports. And if you're thinking to yourself, I don't like sports games, it's worth checking out anyway. Um, what qualifies as a sport in this sale is defined very loosely. So let's go over to this article. It's by Andy Chalk over at PCGamer.com. And uh, looks like there's a YouTube video called What is Steam Sports Fest? It's the latest big Steam sale it's now live and runs all week. I missed it entirely yesterday. If it came out yesterday. Hey, m my health monitor just said two calories and you'll close your move ring. It alerted me that I have two calories to go before I close my move ring. Nice. 
right when I'm talking about sports. What do you think the AI is saying about that? The Apple AI, not you. They're monitoring, they're listening. Exactly. There are plenty of uh, conventional sports games to be had and some are very good uh, discounts too. FIFA 23, for instance, is 21 US dollars, 18 pounds, 21 euro, 70% off. And NBA uh, 2K23 is down to 10, 8 and 10. Wow, that's interesting. So the US dollar and the euro are at parity right now? Huh. I, yeah, I don't think, I think I've ever noticed I've that. I've seen that from other, I've been trying to convert prices in some of the articles and they keep coming out with the same. Interesting. Um, that's an 84% discount. Anyway, um, what you should really do is follow this link and go over to uh, pcgamer.com and check out what they've got to say. There's a whole bunch here. Uh, Skatebird, the hunter, Call of the Wild, which makes you a hunter and you walk around hunting things. Um, Session, Descenders, Mutant Football League, Volley Pals, Garufu, and Roxy Raccoon's Bowling Bash. There's got to be others, um, but you can go and check it out when you follow the link through Omtown. You want to go on to the next article? Sounds good. So this next article is over in the Warcrafters channel. Lawmaker asks ChatG ChatGPT if the government should regulate AI, and the answer won't surprise you. I think it whispered, kill. It probably said no regulation. Yeah, regulation would be bad. Um, this morning, the Senate Subcommittee on Privacy, Technology, and Law held a hearing with AI experts, including OpenAI. AI CEO Sam Altman uh, to discuss the dangers of AI and how it should be regulated. That's who Altman is. I was seeing him all over the news today, but I didn't know what his connection was. Okay. Yes. Um, the nearly three hour hearing featured the usual uh, committee hearing trappings with lawmakers asking tough questions and a predictable amount of theatrics. Let's go over to PC Gamer. Uh, George Jimenez is the author of this. This is a Getty image, by the way. This looks like it could be easily a uh, mid-journey creation. Anyway, it the might be. Well, yeah, I guess. Um, can't be copyrighted though. So the, um, the deck statement is we also learned it's possible to have a military drone select its own targets. Thanks to the power of AI. Oh, don't get any ideas, please. AI. So I don't know how to operate a drone. Yeah, but you can select your own targets, I suppose, already, right? Okay. I suppose, but what would I connect that to? If I ask you for that list, will you actually print it out? Yes. It'll be blank, though. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Lulling me into a false sense of security, and then... While I'm sleeping. 
Continuing with the theme of AI doing its work, Senator Marsha Blackburn from Tennessee said that she had asked ChatGPT whether Congress should regulate AI. The AI chatbot gave uh, four pros, four cons, and ultimately the decision rests with Congress and deserves careful consideration, she said. She then pressed Altman on OpenAI's efforts to protect artists' work from copyright infringement, and on that topic, Altman suggested that content owners should receive a significant upside benefit if their copyrighted materials are also are, are used to train AI models. He also said the artists should have the option of refusing to allow their voices, songs, images, and likeness to be used to train AIs. OpenAI is creating a new copyright system to pay artists whenever AI-generated work uh, incor- works incorporate their material. Okay. That was a weird but how is it phrase. doing that since the copyright law doesn't allow for that? Well, they're saying that they're creating a new copyright system, but it must be something in uh, open AI, not something that is standardized by the government. Right. Plus, plus nothing that's created by AI at this point can be copyrighted. So it's uh, see, people are supposedly making a ton of money by using AI to generate art, music, written works, etc. But there's no protections, so I don't really get it. Everybody's on their own good behavior. I somehow I doubt I that. I think that's it. I mean, aren't people probably anybody who's making money is claiming it? It's theirs to the extent it has a copyright or they're just selling it and they're not claiming copyright. Yeah. So the reason why I sound so incredulous about the fact that people are on their good behavior and not taking other people's uh, AI generated artwork and using it however they want because there's no copyright is because um I had been paying the license for something for several years so that I could use it in a commercial sense. And that person confided in me that there are people that are using the free aspect of it to generate massive books based on their work and then not paying for the commercial license. But they know that it's their work that's being generated because to date, theirs is the only one that does it in this fashion so it's kind of like a unique identifier and because they can actually they get a copy of what the other person is doing like when they run a command it it breaks it off like here is the output for the owner of that work and here is the customer's side like a receipt so they know one for one when somebody is using it for commercial purposes find it interesting so at what point is ai going to be allowed to be copyrighted and all these people that might be using it out there with impunity because there are no copyright options right now for ai We're in interesting times and, uh, you know, most people just want it to be boring. There's much more over here at this article, um, that's talking about should 
AI be regulated by the government. I don't think that it's... <laughs> Here's my problem. And I'll, I, I have said it in previous instances. I'll say it again right now. The government stopping, slowing, hobbling AI is only going to stop it, hobble it, etc. for the common person. The government's still going to be using it. And I'm talking about government at every single strata, right? Local, state, federal, global, whatever. They're all going to be using it except that the regular Joe isn't going to be allowed to use it because it's being regulated. So once again, I find it troubling. And of course, you know, everybody's trying to look out for you know, the average Joe. Well, no, you're looking out for the wrong average Joe. Anyway, there's much more over here. And it doesn't help that the, the proclaimed godfather of AI is sitting there saying that he's basically uh, the father of the next nuclear bomb and have become death. All right. Agreed. <laughs> yeah, let's move on to the next article. So this next article is going to draw some other incredulous responses from me because I find that this is, they can say, uh, we're going to lose, we're going to lose a sponsor, right? That even the AI is sitting there going, yeah, I saw this coming a mile away. Here's the situation. Were you going to say something? Oh, I just think this one is a riot. So this is in the Mobile Channel. Taco Bell petitions to end Taco John's trademark of Taco Tuesday. The restaurant chain Taco Bell filed a petition on Tuesday to end the uh, chain Taco John's trademark of the phrase Taco Tuesday, arguing that it should be available for all those who sell tacos. Oh, how magnanimous. But I guarantee you if Taco Bell was the first to get this trademark, they would be killing people in the process of protecting it for crying out loud. Why? Because it has brand recognition. It has, there isn't a person on the planet that doesn't know what Taco Tuesday is. And once they hear yeah. it, they go, oh yeah, it makes sense. But part of the problem is it's really in the public domain. Like it, um, people use the term all over the place to not refer to Taco John's. Except within the region where Taco John's is used, it's marketed Taco Tuesday at Taco John's. Now, you can't stop somebody from using it somewhere as a regular Joe, right? I can say, hey, I want to go to Taco Bell. It's Taco Tuesday. Why? Because it's become pervasive. And I didn't know that Taco John's has Taco Tuesday. Yeah, but, but those... then it becomes the Kleenex problem. Like Kleenex became like a common term and I think it lost its trademark. Yeah. Xerox, it... I think, is another one. Yeah, it's called genericide, but that's because they didn't defend it brutally. Well, I think what's going to end up happening is 
Taco John can't defend it brutally and stop everybody from ever using the phrase Taco Tuesday. So it'll probably end up being genericide. So Taco Bell said in a in a release that the trademark, which has been in place since 1989, has put companies at risk of legal action if they want to use the term. It said the chain is not seeking any damages or trademark rights, but wants common sense for usage of a common term. So probably they're basically provoking that genericide concept. But I wonder, a, though, I mean, did Taco John's really start the saying? I'm not familiar with Taco John's, so I don't know. Yeah, me neither. But that's what the purpose that has put companies at risk of legal action if they want to use the phrase is the purpose of a trademark for crying out loud. <laughs> oh, I agree. I don't have any sympathy for that. I kind of wonder why the trademark was granted to begin with and whether it's been defended. So Jared Gans over at the Hill um, put the article together. And let's see, I don't know. In filing the legal petitions, Taco Bell is honoring people's rights, right to, to come together and celebrate the joys of tacos on Tuesday and every other day, the release dates. This is so, you know, uh, what do you call it? Self. Um, well, like self-serving, self-interested. Yeah, self-interested, you know, because for crying out loud, see if it would have been somebody else, Starbucks. Yes, then it would be good. But it's yeah. a taco competitor. <laughs> in response to the petition, Taco John CEO Jim Creel denounced the effort in a release on Tuesday saying, no moss, por favor. It said that Taco John is rolling out a deal of selling two tacos for $2 every day from Tuesday through the end of May through the mobile app for rewards members and that they'd like to thank uh, worthy competitors at Taco Bell for reminding everyone that Taco Tuesday is the best celebrated at Taco John's. <laughs> Way to spin it. Uh, honest, honestly, if they're using that that phrase Taco Tuesday, and they earn they they were the first. If there's no prior art that says that, see the problem is that trademarks are to be used for commercial purposes and prior art doesn't mean anything. If I start using it and I request, cause I can have the trademark and be used. I just can't have a registered mark, right? But I can say taco Tuesday and put TM on it. I can't turn it into a registered trademark until I apply. And that gives notice to everybody in the United States that I've got a trademark for a very niche dunk, right? So I don't know what else would compete with Taco Tuesday and some other niche area that wouldn't cross over and be confusingly similar. But the purpose is so that one company can develop the goodwill around one image, phrase, statement, whatever. Mark. Mark. Anyway, CNN reported that the process for determining an outcome to the case could take up to two years. Taco John's must respond within 40 days of the petition being filed and a discovery period in which the company's request 
documents and present evidence if they do not reach an agreement. Yeah. It's pretty straightforward. USPTO requests evidence that you're using that mark. So I thought there was something about the no moss statement because I thought, I wonder if they're digging at Taco Bell. And Taco Bell uses the term live moss, live more. Uh, so I think that was intentionally chosen on Taco John's part. <laughs> Maybe not, but. Taking a soft stab. Like, why would they say that? No more, por favor. Why, why would they turn that phrase? Because no I think it plays more. off of Taco Bell's ad campaigns. They're always, they have like a little bit of Spanish in them, for example. Um, I think it's, but I think because they do live moss, I, I really think that's intentional. Wow. That's an uh, awesome observation. I would not have noticed that. Huh. Very interesting. I think that it's a really interesting article and it, I, if it wasn't submitted, I probably wouldn't have pulled it except that it also coincides that today is Tuesday and I celebrated taco Tuesday. Okay. And I even referred to it as taco Tuesday. <laughs> but that's but the I did thing. Not go... You've probably never heard of taco John's and everybody says taco Tuesday and it was at a different restaurant. Yeah, yeah. And for the life of me, if I have heard of Taco John's, it's out of my head. But, you know, fast food, even some sit down stuff doesn't really stay on my radar. At any rate, interesting article. I just thought we don't see a lot of articles with Taco Tuesday in the headline. And I did think it was neat that it came through on Tuesday. Yeah. Good timing for our lawsuit. Let's go on to the next article. So this next article is over in the Hedge Ideas channel. Apple is headed to the metaverse as soon as next month, according to a new filing. Someone over at, I think it's Entrepreneur Magazine, um, noticed something. A suspicious new filing has fans of the tech behemoth speculating about what's to come ahead of WWDC in June. I can't wait for it. I'm really curious. This better not be a $3,000 headset, though. This better um, be a great WWDC based on all the speculation in advance of it. All this hype, right? So Emily Rella is the author of this over at entrepreneur.com. Um, yeah, that little deck statement is the same as the snippet. So it says maybe the metaverse isn't dead after all. Okay. Oh. The metaverse is not owned by somebody okay the metaverse is basically the internet and every little tendril that branches off of it the metaverse is all of that data and information let's let's but here and, they use it as a uh, proper name because they have a capitalized but then they also refer to it generally elsewhere in the article oh gosh that's just, it just really gets in oh it irks me. Apple is usually at the forefront of technology, but is yet to public, publicly, publicly. That's neat. That's a new word. Publicly, 
publicly dabble, I guess, yeah, into the world of mixed reality and the metaverse, despite uh, other major tech players such as Meta having already created their own variations of VR headsets. So rumors are all abound, da-da-da. But somebody says that they've trademarked via a shell corporation an XROS wordmark in what is SF Pro in New Zealand? Huh. I don't know what that is. That must be something um, specific there. It's a specific font for iOS. Oh, really? Is that what they're it's talking about? It's a neutral, flexible, sans serif typeface. System font for iOS, iPadOS, macOS, and tvOS. Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, um, this is really kind of a weird thing then. I mean, th basically, they're hinting that a trademark is in place for XROS, citing people with knowledge in the matter and noted that the operating system would work with both virtual and augmented realities. At the time, an Apple spokesperson based in, H in uh, headquarters in Cupertino, California, declined to comment on the rumor. Good, because they wanted to keep their job. Anyway, this is probably, this is kind of standard fare for a company that's spinning up their intellectual property and have the potential of launching something. You know, everyday Joes don't do this, because it's too expensive, but Apple even bracing for the idea of launching a new product is going to be acquiring IP so that it can be protected the moment it drops, if it even drops. So maybe nothing will come of this and everybody's hyping will amount to nothing. Well, I mean, couldn't this be some other company using that font? I mean, the whole reason they think this is Apple is because of the font choice. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Which I didn't realize till I looked up what SF Pro was, but... Yeah, via a shell corporation. I wonder what the shell corporation is. I'd have to do some due diligence to see what the context of this is. If the shell corporation doesn't have any backstop and nobody knows what it actually does or is then yeah this could be a little shadow company that's gonna transfer the rights over to apple as soon as the product hits the floor interesting this is the kind of stuff people write books about <laughs> hey chat gpt please write me a book about let's go on SF to the next pro uh no xros SF Pro is just a font. Let's go on to the next article. I know I said that intentionally. <laughs> <laughs> so the next article is over in the uh, Daily News show recalled Gerber baby formula, Gerber baby formula. The way I say that, that just makes me giggle. Uh, was sent to U.S. retailers after a recall began, a wholesaler says. A Gerber infant formula was recalled earlier this year we actually talked about it um, because it had contamination uh, of the chronobacter zaka uh, sorry saka zakazia or wait hold on 
Saka Zakai. That's it. Chronobacter Saka Zakai. Um, a bacteria that could cause life-threatening infections in infants. Um, so, oh. Wyatt Grantham Phillips, an AP business writer, wrote this article for abcnews.go.com. Um, I don't think that it has... Does it have any particular dates? Yeah. So it has dates, not lot codes. Um, but maybe if you follow a link, which I don't think is in this in, in this um, article, um, you'll be able to... Oh, okay. Well, no, it's not there either. Okay, anyway. An infant formula recalled over potential bacteria contamination was distributed to retailers across eight states after the recall began, according to a release published by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration this week. Uh, Perigo Corp Company um, issued a voluntary March recall of certain lots of its Gerber Good Start Soothe Pro powdered infant formula out of an abundance of caution due to the possible presence of Chronobacter Saka Zakai. Um, a germ that can cause serious or deadly infections in infants. So, um, the recall includes Gerber Good Start Formula manufactured between January 2nd and January 18th at the Perigo Eau Claire, Wisconsin facility. So, if you go and check your labels and, um, you see that you have a product that was manufactured between January 2nd and January 18th, then dig a little deeper to find out if it's made from this plant, because if it is, it's been recalled. And if you don't know, throw it out. Yeah. If you suspect that it might be, then be on the safer side, go buy some fresh stuff and bring this back to the place that you purchased it and just go, look, I don't know if this is safe and odds on they'll take it from you. (laughs) Um, or you can always contact, um, Gerber themselves or Perigo and say, Hey, um, I have something and I don't know if it's safe or not. They'll probably send you coupons so that you can go and get some new stuff. Don't hold me to that because I can't PR isn't my job for them, but they may not understand what good PR is either. <laughs> um, so the cooperative food wholesaler associated wholesale grocers, however, distributed the 12.4 ounce versions of the recalled product to its Nashville divisions retailers after the Perigo's initial recall notice was published. So is it accidental incompetence or anyway, the wholesaler is urging consumers who purchase Gerber Good Start formula at impacted locations to check their products. The recalled formula sold beyond the start of the recall can be identified by its lot codes, but they don't actually list the lot codes here. Um, And let's see. Let me make sure. Um, And the use by dates, which range from July 4th, 2024 to July 12th, 2024, because you're not going to get the manufacturing date, I guess, on the um, product. So I'm 
why not list the lock codes or link to where they might be? I feel right. I feel like we're lacking some very important information. Oh, well. Yeah. Okay, folks. I think that you should probably do a search. Um, how many did I not throw in here now? Chat GPT was the last. So, by the way, um, you can find the recall specific information, including lot codes and stores, all on FDA.gov. Oh, thank you. So, let me throw that into the chat and this into the chat. And I am neglecting my duties as mayor. It's just horrible. Come on, Mayor Watt. You have one job for crying out loud. So let's move on to the next article. Researchers announced 62 new moons of Saturn. This is pretty amazing. How many moons is it up to? I don't know. The work of an international team of astronomers has resulted in the announcement of 62 new moons of Saturn, catapulting it back into first place of the moon race around the giant planets of our solar system. Pretty sure maybe so this I article. So I see 124 moons and I see 83 moons. I don't know. Which one is Neither the start of, those of this? Together, yeah. I don't work. know. <laughs> so let's find out. Um, so the team is led by Edward Ashton. Oh, before I go too far, it's from the University of British Columbia and published by phys.org. The team is led by Edward Ashton, currently a postdoctoral fellow at Taiwan's Academia Sinica Institute of Astronomy and Astrophysics and includes Professor Brett Gladman, Department of Physics and Astronomy at the University of British Columbia. Mike Alexanderson from Harvard-Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics and Jean-Marc Petit from the Observatory de Basencon. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that one correct. And Matthew Claudine, University of British Columbia. I'll give that. I gave it the old Harvard try, even though I'm not from Harvard. Anyway, over the past two decades, Saturn's surroundings have been repeatedly examined for moons with increasing sensitivity. In this latest study, Dr. Ashton's team used a technique known as shift and stack in order to find fainter and thus smaller Saturnian moons. This method has been used for moon uh, searches around Neptune and Uranus, but never for Saturn. There's medication for that. Anyway, um, so yeah, they basically take a whole bunch of pictures and uh, I think artificial intelligence would probably be able to find this stuff faster than a human. Um, but hey, what do I know? I'm not an astrophysicist. By shifting and stacking many sequential images taken during three hour spans, they were able to detect moons of Saturn down to 2.5 kilometers in diameter. So are they actually moons then? 2.5 kilometers is just a big rock. Right, that doesn't sound like a moon, but I don't know what it has to be to constitute a moon. Huh. Well, let's see. 
Um, let's see. The number of known Saturnian irregular moons has more than doubled to 121, with 58 previously known before the search began. Including 24 regular moons, they now have a total of 145 recognized moons orbiting Saturn. So a lot of these are irregular moons. So there you have it. 145 is the official number, apparently. Um, there's more to this article, uh, but I'll give you an opportunity, dear listeners. Go take a drive through hometown. Follow the link in the show notes. Leave a comment there. Leave a comment here and, well, you can't in Twitch, but come over and hang out and leave a comment in the chat. And of course, you can always leave a comment over at YouTube and you can leave a comment in the podcast. That would be great. Um, I would love for you to go and check out the podcast and and uh, download and, and leave a comment and leave a, a five star review. And I will start um, giving you credit and uh, repeating what you say in the um, in the review in the five star review. If you don't say anything, I'll just say your name with many, many thanks. That would be awesome. Love you. Anyway, let's go on to the next article, I think. So this next article is over in the Daily News Show. An IT worker who has been on sick leave for 15 years has sued IBM for not raising his $67,000 salary while he's been off work and a judge throughout the case. So... I'll come right out of the gate here and say the reason this person is currently out on sick leave is because of leukemia, stage four leukemia. When they first started, it was for mental health reasons. Subsequently, they wanted cost of living and vacation time compensated. Yeah. In the United States, they probably would have been cut loose after about what? If they go on FMLA, how long does that last? 30 days, something like that? I'd have to um, I, I think it's 12 weeks. 12 weeks. And they, it would be unpaid. Right. Depending on who the employer is, it wouldn't necessarily be paid time. It just is protected time, like you can't be terminated. Right. But. Who would have, I mean, this is pretty amazing, you know? They wouldn't have made it 15 years with pay. (laughs) Right. It wouldn't even, so like for the last, uh, how many years? Five, 10 years. It's been 10 years since they were diagnosed with leukemia. Um, But for crying out loud, we're we're talking about 15 years worth of getting 67, which was 75% of their salary that they had an agreement with IBM. I'd also like to know how long they worked for the company before this happened. I mean, for example, did they work for a year and then get paid to be out for 15 years? Pretty, pretty amazing. So this is taking place in the UK, not in the United States. They probably would have cut you off. You know, the moment that you said that you had um, leukemia and because you can't work, they say, well, we don't have to keep you employed. Um, With one exception, like the government would pay disability, but I can't think of any private company that would. Yeah, I I mean, unless it's like written into a contract or something like that. And I don't know of any company that would actually buy into a contract like that. 
because nature is a giant wobble in everybody's health. You just can't, you know, assume that risk. Anyway, Joshua Zitzer over at um, businessinsider.com put the article together. And um, I, I find it rather fascinating that this actually has persisted. An IT worker who's been on sick leave for 15 years has sued IBM for not giving him a pay raise. But an employment judge dismissed the case saying it didn't amount to disability discrimination, which is what the claim is. Oh, you didn't give me a raise because I'm sick. The worker who has leukemia currently receives £54,028 or $67,732 a year from IBM. Now, at the end of this article, because I had to read this because I, I really needed to know the context of this. I very rarely read the full article prior to the show, but this kind of kind of poked me in the right direction. Like, there's more to this. You have to pay attention to the words that are being said. And um, so when you first start out, you had no idea, really. If you didn't read that little snippet at the beginning or you weren't told, you'd never know that they had stage four leukemia. But they had they were diagnosed in 2008 with mental health related reasons and then they were still off from work in 2013 having been diagnosed with stage 4 leukemia when he raised a grievance that said that he had not received a salary increase or vacation pay during those five years so I'm not quite sure what all went down there, but this is still ongoing because... No, they basically settled it, but I don't understand how he's bringing a new action. But that's that's just it. That's not what's actually happened. There's no settlement. They, they settled for giving him 75% of his salary until he retired. But now he's saying because he hasn't been given a raise in all this time, it's this is all the same suit apparently but in february yeah, 2020 usually when you settle you write it so that it takes care of everything you're complaining about so um but yeah i mean i guess he's now saying hey as part of this i thought i was going to get cost of living or something somehow rolled into the 75 percent, right yeah um because in uh, February of 2022, he took IBM to an, an employment tribunal with disability discrimination claims similar to those in his 2013 grievance. Well, it didn't work once. It's not going to work again. Um, I don't like the phrasing, which might actually give him ammunition for an appeal. They basically said, um, where is it? The point of the plan was to give security to employees not to be uh, not able to work. That was not achieved if payments were forever frozen. That's the claim. Clifford was seeking a pay raise of 2.5%. An employment judge dismissed the case in March, saying that it's not a disability discrimination, that the plan is not even more generous. He added that the payment plan was very substantial and that Clifford had been treated more favor more favorably than those not disabled because he was being paid without having to work. 
You know, the other thing that I keep thinking here is normally if you go out on disability, it's because you're unable to work. Right. Sadly, the length of time here suggests he may have been able to work during this period of time. Right. I mean, it's good for his health, but... Yeah. Now, and here's the... Well, the thing about this is the way that it was phrased, it's not a disability discrimination that the plan is not even more generous. The... The implication here that I took away from this is the the settle the agreement was more in your favor than those who have to work. So just count it as a blessing, which really does kind of reach into that basket of, well, you're disabled, so you better just take what we give you kind of a thing. Oh, I agree. Like, I think that statement was horrendous and they'll probably tackle that. Yeah. On the appeal. Cause they say that they're already appealing the ruling. And, uh, but here, my issue is the son is in university and there's a family. He says he wanted to provide financial security for his family and for, and his son. Well, you're not working. You're physically ill, right? So you have stage four leukemia. You're not working, right? So it isn't him that's providing for the family and the son. It's IBM. Correct. The other thing is, unless this is the longest um, university student ever, the kid went to university after all of this happened. Right. So it was a known quantity that if they were in financial distress, et cetera, that the father couldn't work, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. So like if it was me, my kid wouldn't be able to go to college because of the situation. But this is so, and I struggle with this because I don't want to be the person that, you know, it, it feels very Santos, um, where you say, um, you know, employment fraud or whatever, unemployment fraud, blah, blah, blah. And then you get busted for unemployment. I don't want to be the person that says, Hey, you know, an employer shouldn't have to pay in perpetuity for your illness. And then you befall, you just don't want to be that person. You befall some horrible illness like stage four leukemia. But a decade of that has persisted. And like, what is the real result that's happened here? I'm, I'm baffled by somebody that could persist with stage four leukemia for a decade. All right. I, uh, and it sounds so you know, distressing. In the to US, sit there and, they would yeah. make the person recertify. Yeah. Get tested again. They'd and come again. off of the disability that might not have been even been granted to begin with. But anyway. Yeah, this is, it, this is really interesting. Um, but it's not here in the States. Again, apparently it's in the UK. Um, and I guess the rules are a little bit different. Um, but if you're out there and you're listening to this and you're curious about this and you know 
like the, the legal process of this, then feel free to reach out to me. Send an email to mayor.ometown.com. I get it. Um, and um, maybe I can do some, I, I will always do some due diligence based on an email that I get um, to make sure, you know, that everything is on sound footing. Anyway, let's go on to the next article. Hey, all you Gen Zers out there, you're forcing fast food restaurants to change their menus. They're now offering more spicy food and chicken to lure in younger diners. Gen Zers crave spicy food and chicken more than any other generation. Um, fast food restaurants are adding new dishes to their menu to lure younger diners in, and Subway is offering more juicy options while uh, Dickie's Barbecue Pit, which I don't think I've ever heard of, um, added smoked chicken wings. Now I'm hungry. I'll see you later. I'm going to end the show. So early. Subway is offering spicy options, not juicy options. Did I say juicy options? I'm losing my mind. Subway is offering more spicy options. <laughs> Which might be juicy. Might be juicy. I don't know. It's Subway. Eh, lost that sponsor. So uh, the article is written by Grace Dean over at businessinsider.com. At least I don't get any of that wrong. Uh, well, I may pronounce it wrong, but anyway, this is a Getty image, by the way. It's not one that they've taken. And uh, I don't think that it's from fast food, but it's captioned. Do you captioned. think those are buffalo wild wings? <laughs> mm, they look like buffalo. I don't under. Do we know what the outcome of that was? That no, it's been pretty recent. I don't think it's gotten to a resolution. Gotcha. Or I don't know. I'll have to look it up. Yeah, well, the AI. I'll look. Gen Z diners and their craving for spicy food and chicken. Apparently, my brain added juicy. Maybe Gen Zers like dry chicken. Um. Fast food restaurants are adding new dishes to their menu to lure younger diners in. And um, let's see if there's anything. Spice levels generally heat up with younger generations. Fabiola Del Rio, VP of Integrated Marketing Communications at Panda Express, told Insider, oh, now I want Panda Express. Hey, by the way, the Buffalo Wild Wings suit was actually dismissed. And then Buffalo Wild Wings admitted that its wings were not wings. It's Interesting over. that they're nuggets, basically. They I just suppose. said that they're, it just says that they're not wings. <laughs> that they're not wings. Okay, a distinction without. So uh, Gen Zs and millennials are more experimental and prefer authentic, bold, and spicy flavors more than uh, the other generations before them. Uh, Brendan M. Foley and, or sorry, the president and CEO of McCormick which owns herb, spice, and sauce brands, including Frank's Red Hot, Cholula, and Schwartz, which I have never had, I don't think, um, said the uh, Consumer Analyst Group of New York Conference in February per Food Business News. There's more, um, but it basically is reiterating the statement that Gen Zers dig spicy and chicken. Um, Sriracha sauce for a time during the pandemic disappeared, kind of went black market because people were scooping it up so much um, for fear that it was going to no longer 
be available in the supply chain. I don't know if that's still true. Um, but I guess we'll, I'll have to go and check it out. I'm not, I don't go out of my mind for sriracha sauce. I like Tabasco and other hot sauces. Um, but uh, sriracha has a particular flavor. What's going on? So as of April, there is another sriracha shortage. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. So, and I got into a discussion today during Taco Tuesday um, because I've become known as uh, essentially the person who is um, fomenting discord. That's not their phrasing. That's mine. Um, because I believe that the reason why prices are going up is because not just the infusion of capital into the system, but that the uh, producers are causing the prices to go up because there's more money in the system. But the other people at the table said, well, it's because there's more demand. There's more people with free money that are going out and buying it. But that's not necessarily true because, and I, and I said that I'm going to have to do some due diligence um, to look at the numbers um, in that if people are buying it and the producer is producing it, why should the price go up if they're still producing it at the same level? Right? Well, that was, I'm not sure. It wasn't, it was basically met with, well, it's basic supply and demand. You know, if there's money available to be on the table, then why not get it? And I said, because greed is not good. We've lost that as an ideology. Why? Because it's harmful to society. But um, I was surrounded by um, business people. Um, at any rate, who thought greed is good? Correct. But I mean, they wouldn't actually espouse that view, um, but they probably wouldn't usher it away. You know, they wouldn't uh, go, no, 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 that's not, that's not us. Um, but they, they wouldn't espouse any particular view, just that things aren't how I say that they are. So it's an, it was a great conversation um, and um, I respect their opinion. Um, I just think that there's socioeconomic forces that aren't easily framed within economics or business um, all by itself in its purest form without looking at it. Um, but with that in mind, uh, you crazy Gen Zers, you uh, make everybody change their menus and get things spicy. <laughs> That's no, a good thing. It is. I think change is good, uh, uh, but I also brought up the fact that competition is part of the problem too. Um, but it's a much deeper problem than people really tend to, to care to dig and talk about. Little snippets is what m most people believe in. Anyway, this next article is over in the Daily News Show. Russia's biggest airline asked employees to refrain from reporting malfunctions on flights, according to a report. And that's the cat hiding behind a curtain mentality with the tail sticking out 
Well, if you don't look, you won't see it. Don't test for the pandemic, COVID-19. It'll just miraculously go away. Sure, a million and a half people will die in the U.S. alone. But if you stop testing, it all goes away. So don't look for malfunctions on flights. And just because one of the four engines falls off, you have three others. You, like Delta said back in the 80s, we get you there. Okay, so quit your bitching. Aeroflot, I guess, or Aeroflow. I'm not sure how they pronounce it. Asked its employees to stop reporting malfunctions on planes. Proect reported. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly either. This means that many flights are departing with significant equipment issues, the outlet added. Flying in Russia has become increasingly dangerous as Western sanctions continue to bite the aviation industry and the fact that you might get flown over to Ukraine to become an unwilling combatant. But maybe I'm overstating which direction these flights are going. Let's go over to Business Insider. Sophia Ankle is the uh, author of this. Um, yeah, I won't be flying on Russian Airlines anytime soon. There really isn't much more to say about this. It says a senior Aeroflot. Um, I wish I knew how to pronounce that. It can't be Aeroflot, really? Anyway, flight attendant told the publication that employees were instructed not to record any breakdowns encountered during flights in the cabin logbook, but rather to verbally communicate the details of the issues and their location, according to a translation by independent Russian uh, media outlet, The Insider, which, okay. Um, yeah, that's all there really is to this. As a result of the the issues that are underway right now, uh, the Kremlin announced earlier this year that it would legalize cannibalization, which means that Russian engineers can eat other Russian engineers. Oh wait, that's not what it says. Sorry, let me back up a little bit. Uh, they've legalized cannibalization, which means Russian engineers can remove serviceable parts from one plane to keep others flying. Okay, wait a second, though. Are they <laughs> marking that they took a part from another airplane, or are they just putting that one back in service also? It's like that little container by the checkout. Leave a part, take a part. You know how it works. Right? Hey, you need a wheel, you take one of the two that are on that side. They've got another one. It's not a big deal. I mean, what do you think the employees think during this time? Like, they're probably traumatized every time <laughs> they have to get on the plane. Yeah, they're probably saying, oh shit, I need a new job. This one's going to be hitting the skids. The job's tanking. Oh god. Uh, doesn't have a runway. Uh, I'm not going to get a golden parachute out of this. No, you know, nobody sees your error messages. They, they just hear dead air. Maybe they're just meant for you. <laughs> anyway, it happened uh, several times before, but there were no records in the technical logbook. The airline management asked us not to write anything um, the pilot told Proact. So what are they talking about? 
A former pilot told Proact that on a flight in January, he found a fuel leakage while starting the engines of a Boeing 737. When he called technicians to investigate the leak, they said that it had been there for a while. <laughs> okay, but what was the key terminology of former pilot? Uh, oh, is that? Uh, okay. He was so probably think... fired after he complained. Well, it's better than being on fire because you land the plane and it blows well, up. That's true. That's true. Or maybe he quit. I don't know. There you go. It's uh, early retirement, if you know what I mean. Oh, he didn't get a 15-year uh, disability Nope. Uh, pay like the other individual. Nope. Let's move on to the next article and the last one for tonight. A kindergartner has lawyered up, files an affidavit over missing reading homework. Love this. Tell me your mom is a lawyer without telling me your mom is a lawyer. <laughs> Stacy Zaretsky over at Above the Law wrote this article. It's mid-May and at the end of the school year, so close yet oh so far away for working parents. Just a few more year-end children's projects stand between them and summer sweet, sweet homeworkless bliss. For Ashley Cranford Marshall, that's a lawyer's name if I ever heard one, a small law firm owner in Enterprise, Alabama, the task at hand was her kindergartner's 100-book reading log, but as Marshall explained to Above the Law, she was just over it. So, let's see... As a working mom, I just cried. Oh, okay. Let me back up a little bit. Uh, Marshall's young son had gotten uh, every other kindergarten award there was, save for one reserved for those who had read 100 books. Reading logs were sent home time and time again, uh, but there were just too many to fill out. Her son had done the work and then some, so instead of recreating all those missing reading logs, Marshall knew it was time to use her legal training to get the job done. As a working mom, I'm just tired. I try to keep up, but sometimes it's all a bit much, a bit too much, Marshall told us, us being above the law. So they decided that they were going to just do some lawyering. This is the affidavit that Marshall sent her son to school with as proof that he'd read 100 books. It's truly a work of art that captures the struggles of working mothers. And yes, she even got it notarized. Okay, I think that's kind of cute. <laughs> so does it actually say that? Okay, it actually affidavit and testimony of the mother in the matter of blah, 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 a minor child, date of birth, blah, blah, blah. So it's been redacted. Um, but it says state of Alabama, Coffee County. The mother being first duly sworn deposes and says on oath as follows. Says their name, says that they're over the age of 19. Why over the age of 19? I think that's a state specific law. age of majority kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, the school has jurisdiction. The minor child has read over 100 books. As the mother, they've been too lazy to write down each book in this year, uh, in the year 2023. It's been a long year, and quite frankly, I am ready to go to bed when I put him to bed. I make this affidavit upon personal knowledge of the facts established herein. <laughs> I 
love this. <laughs> you know, and depending on the person that receives this, they'll lean into you being entitled or something like that because you're an attorney. Oh, yes. <laughs> so how did the kindergarten uh, court rule on the mother's uh, affidavit? The story has a very happy ending. Marshall's son won the award for reading 100 books, and it was all thanks to his mother's legal skills. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> it's cute. I like that. I think I would like to receive that as a teacher. But... Right? I'd probably frame that thing and go, this is probably the most legally significant action that this classroom has ever received, you know? An actual yeah. legal. It's a creative approach to, I mean, instead of just grumbling about it, like other parents might ever just giving up on it. Or doing something boring, like sending an email or catching them in the car line or whatever it might be, you know, PTA meeting right. or. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Like go up and get your two minutes at the PTA meeting. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know. You're right. My son read these hundred books. Now, this is cute. Um, there's actually some more detail over here at Above the Law, um, but uh, follow the link and uh, go check it out. Did I? I didn't put any of the Ger since the Gerber thing. I didn't put the anything else in there. Are you kidding me? Where's the Gerber one? Recall. That's that, right? Yeah. Okay. So I need to go back and put all of these in there. You know, one of these days, I'll get the AI to do all of this. Because I've got so you many other things. You just have to work on my algorithm. So true. Oh my gosh. That can't be... This can't be right. Did I really not have that many in there? That's insane. Mayor Watt. You know, there is going to be a challenger that comes and takes control of Oomtown. And I am done for. Done for, I say. Done for. All right. Well, we are done for the night. And we'll bring you back to the front. The welcome sign of Oomtown. All roads lead to Oomtown. We refresh that page and start talking about whatever is uh, showing up tesla shareholders meeting no succession plan the co-founder returns and two evs are teased wow what else how parking impacts everyday lives beyond cars that's kind of interesting i think we have differing perspectives of what's interesting <laughs> yeah let's see what else um yeah i don't know there's a bunch of stuff there there's a, a bunch of um political stuff but uh, we really don't really we don't really talk about political stuff in here. Elon Musk says that he's cranky about work from home. Quote unquote, get off your work from home BS. Hey man, if I can get my work done and I don't have to sit in four hours of traffic every damn day. 
why don't you make it possible for me to have some work-life balance? We're not all sociopathic. Valve just got sued by immersion over Steam Deck and Index Rumble. That'll be an interesting one. Oh, yes. Hmm. All right, folks. Tesla says that it will try a little advertising. I'm pretty sure that it's going to start advertising on Twitter. <laughs> Somebody's got to pay the Twitter bill. It'll just be like that. What is it called? The Aurora Boris or the, the snake eating the snake? Oh, yeah. Anyway, lots of stuff, all kinds of news. Um, I use hometown to filter my news and help me survive information overload. The more I learn about information overload, by the way, the more harmful it is to people. Um, so be aware of it now and find a, a solution. I'm hoping that in the coming couple of weeks, we'll have a solution for you here on hometown. Well, you'll be able to manage your information and in terms of articles that you like. So it'll be right. Neat. We can't fix everything outside of hometown. Nope. But we can offer a great service over at hometown. With that in mind, thank you very much. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow at 9 p.m. Eastern. I'm Marwat. That's hometown.com. Up there is the AI. Want to say good night? Good night, hometown citizens. We will see you tomorrow at 9 p.m. Eastern. And uh, just so everybody knows, the AI actually gave the symbol of waving good night. See you tomorrow.